Hi, this is Ray Park. I play Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon Podcast. Check it out, listen, make sure the force is strong. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 313. My name is Jay, J.M. Clark, Jay the Jedi, Ross, Ross Jedi, Jay, and as always, it's so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back here with me in the L5J studios. This week, kids, we're hopping back on board the Great Philadelphia Comic-Con train. The Points of Interest podcast network was very honored and privileged to serve as panel hosts for the weekend, and that would include little old me. Uh, This panel this week was one of my favorites. I got to sit down with the star of Star Wars Rebels, the voice of Ezra Bridger himself, Mr. Taylor Gray. And Taylor could not have been cooler. What a nice guy. Very personable, very outgoing, very enthusiastic, uh, very chatty. Uh, Just had a great time. Had a blast getting to sit down on the red couch with Mr. Taylor Gray. If any of you are fans of the old Expanded Universe or Legends and you're not watching Star Wars Rebels, you're absolutely crazy. Clone Wars Rebels, I feel like it's the glue that holds the Star Wars universe together at this time because we've had some blips kids I finally did get to go out and see Solo a Star Wars story and I dug it a lot more than I thought I would it was a really fun movie and I was surprisingly impressed with Mr. Ehrenreich I thought that would be my hardest point to get over in the movie Uh, and he ended up pulling it off he did a fantastic job Uh, was it the greatest I don't think it was nearly as entertaining and spectacular as Rogue One my god I loved Rogue One but this was a really cool movie Uh, and it was a lot of fun and that's the thing you're hearing most of all is that it's a lot of fun so something that much fun can't be that bad but uh, there's a certain cameo Uh, a certain guest appearance in Solo that if you are a fan of Star Wars Rebels probably got you a little more excited than the average Star Wars fan uh, because we've gotten over a little something that was very hard to forgive but now exists and now is canon and now we get to enjoy. A couple years ago at the Great Philadelphia Comic Con I had the opportunity to speak with Mr. Ray Park. That's pretty much a hint hint of a the spoilery variety um, and he once said uh, during that conversation that uh, he would not, he, he worried because he wouldn't want anyone else to ever play Darth Maul and that pretty much gives it away so if you haven't seen Solo I'm, star- I'm sorry I pretty much spoiled it there didn't I uh, Darth Maul wow 
absolutely crazy. And it was so fun to see uh, Ray get to don the horns again. And they actually, uh, instead of getting Peter Serafinowicz, they went ahead and used Mr. Sam Witwer. Uh, of Star Wars Rebels himself, the voice of Darth Maul. So that just ties things together absolutely beautifully. I'm so happy for all those guys to actually get a chance to be in the movie again for Rey and get to be in a movie, an actual Star Wars movie for Sam. That is so super cool. So uh, anyways, I digress. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy my conversation live from the great Philadelphia Comic-Con 2018 with the voice of Star Wars Rebels, Ezra Bridger, Mr. Taylor Gray. Oh, look at that. Yeah, nothing. There, we're good? Everybody hear us? All good? Hi, everybody. My name is Jay. I'm one of your hosts, the moderators for the weekend, and thank you so much for coming to kick this party off with me and Mr. Taylor Gray. Hey, guys. Good to see you. <laughs> Thanks. Of course, is that on? Yep, we have I think sound? so. Everybody hears both of us? Yep. Check, check. Test, test. <laughs> so, of course, everybody uh, here would probably obviously know uh, your role of Ezra in Star Wars Rebels, which is a, an amazing thing. I'm a huge fan of the show because I'm a huge fan of the prequels. Okay. I'm one of those rarities who absolutely love the prequels. And uh, it is such a perfect bridge between the two. Like, Filoni's just absolutely incredible. So what was Star Wars for you in your life before this came along? Were you a fan? Yeah, I mean, Star Wars was uh, lunch pails and T-shirts and everything. It was just everywhere around you without even realizing. It's that whole thing of, like, they say, tell me everything red in the room, and you're looking for everything red, and then you say, what was blue? And you, you just didn't even see it as often as it was there. And you realize Star Wars is just a pillar of kind of culture for film, the way, like, the Beatles may be for music. Star Wars is is just ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And so to be in it, I don't know, you kind of feel like you're just this little grain of sand. You don't want to mess up your your faction of it. But it's been so fun. And to interact with, like, actual characters from the prequels and, and now sequels and everything has been amazing. Well, your, your character, you're not, you don't just have a role in the show. You're one of a select handful of the characters in the universe who are the hero of that story. Whoever, yeah. You know, you've got your Luke, you've got your Rey, you know, you, and you've got your Ezra. So, do you feel a responsibility to the fans? Oh, a huge because of that, that it centers around that huge character. Huge responsibility, and you—it's been so fun because you're—you're you're obviously nervous about that. I was—I was so nervous coming in, hoping that fans would enjoy it, and and yeah, and it's been, there's been such a nice reception, and everyone has seemed to take into the show and grown with Ezra because you kind of have to sell yourself to it in order to really let it happen and wash over you. And Ezra goes through this crazy journey over the course of the show, and now he's in an even different place, and we'll see where he shows up next in the universe. Speaking of, yeah. announced either, was it yesterday or the day before, that Star Wars Resistance, brand new cartoon, has everybody heard about this? Very, very exciting. We'll continue the story with a new hero, but also just confirmed by Mr. Dave Filoni, Ezra is, in fact, still alive. This yes, excites he you, is. sir? Yes, it did. It was very exciting. Yeah, I'm clapping for that one, too. He, <laughs> he had told us when, as the show was ending, Filoni was so good about letting us know uh, just, just enough, whatever would help our character. So we wouldn't know. Like, I didn't even know the last two minutes of the series finale because really? I got the script just up until then, and then I don't say anything. It's Sabine going about 
everything that happens. So they didn't even tell you? I that had was no gonna... idea. Wow. But as soon as it ended, we there was a big screening in Los Angeles, and he told me, I was like, you have to tell me. What's the deal? And he's like, he is right. very much so alive. He's with Thrawn. But obviously, Order 66 happens, everything. So what happens during that time? I don't know, but he's right. alive. Right. Yeah. It's a cool. I mean, Ahsoka had to go through the same thing. Everybody wasn't sure if Ahsoka was around, and then Rebels came, and then yeah. we get a grown-up Ahsoka. So, you know, and the way these things could tie into the future, even in the days of Rey, could Ezra be out there still? Oh, you know, very as part much of the so, story yeah. At this point, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I guess you get real personal and close to this character that do you feel you would like to continue it on as much as you possibly can? Oh, I love this character. I, I've now been fortunate enough to play a handful of different characters, but none of them do you get to kind of live with where it runs the span of five years. It usually gets canceled or something. When I started the show, I was just a young kid like Ezra in the sense that I learned so much of someone trying to become a Jedi, they're obviously just trying to become their, the best version of themselves, which we're all trying to do the same thing. So I saw so many parallels between my life and what Ezra was going through. So it would be so funny. I'd come in and tell Dave, I was like, hey, this script, like, I feel like I'm dealing with the same stuff in my life. And to him, it just warms his heart. He loves that because that right. is just a testament to how good the writing is and what they're going through. But it's been fun to start as, like, a young kid and, and just grow, grow up in that way in the Star Wars universe. And it's really connected with kids as well, which has been awesome. Does it bleed into your real life where, where oh. Ezra like motivates you to be a better person? Because you're always 100%. in your head trying to think about being a better Jedi. Exactly, yeah. 100%. The way, the way a character goes home with you when you're playing like a bully, you gotta watch out for in your daily life to like not be keeping that insecurity that a bully has, but have that superiority complex, complex and anything like that. Same with playing a Jedi. It's the opposite where you're like, this is amazing. Just how can I be the best person I can be as a Jedi is trying to. Um, I have to ask you, because I have you here, uh, what is it like to work with Dave Filoni? The, he, I'm such a big fan. He, more than anyone, gets it. They need you know? to give him a movie. And I, I would not understand. be surprised yes. if that happens, with yeah. where everything's at and how he's moved up in the story group at Lucasfilm and how everyone praises him there from Kathleen Kennedy down. Right. Um, they really, really respect him. That's the, good He's to just hear. been doing, I mean, he did Clone Wars under the tutelage of George Lucas himself for right. years and, and really learned from him. Rebels was his thing where he, was got, he got to make that completely on his own. And Resistance, he, he's, it's, the story comes from him and everything, but he's making more stuff in the Star Wars universe. And he's honestly a genius when it comes to what Star Wars is. And it's, yeah. it's been so cool. Well, Look at that. There's a little Ezra. <laughs> there's Ezra right that's there. Sick. It's, uh, I, I, I'm a longtime fan of the EU. Okay. So I was one of those people who it was very difficult when the change happened and everything became legends and non-canon yep. and everything. Very difficult. 20 years of no, books yeah, and comics. Sure. And, and then they said to us, don't worry, we're, we have that there to cherry pick from. Mm -hmm. We can take this or take that. And I thought they were kind of placating us yeah. with that. But then, no. Filoni went nuts. Yeah. Thrawn. And, and as an old school fan, all these tiny little Easter eggs are just... They warm your heart. You know as a the fan. best thing is that Dave is firstly a huge fan, huge fan. So he approaches it knowing that it means so much to so many people as well, and he happens to be a genius when it comes to story and know how to really work with stakes and plot and and villains and everything like that, where it's thoroughly entertaining, and it's 
tried and true Star Wars. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, he nails it. Uh, I'm also a big fan of voiceover in general, mm -hmm. never mind it being Star Wars, sure. which is crazy. Yeah. So I'm just wondering a little bit about the process. I always get interest, uh, interested. Is this uh, uh, a solo record? Does the cast record together ever? They record together, and it's so interesting because my That's background, great. this was the first voiceover thing I had done. Everything else has been live action up until this point. So I remember... I was nervous enough at being Star Wars, but then I was like, it's also a foray into a new type of acting that I've never done. So the first record, you come in, and a lot of people are uh, on-screen actors in, in the show, but then there are also some like voiceover legends like Steve Bloom and Vanessa Marshall who Jim Cummings. Been on Jim Cummings, who've been Lord. on every animated yeah. show you can name. Yeah. And so you're in there in the booth with them, and we have the first scene, and I'm shaking, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and like I know how to act, so I'm like, all right, Taylor, just sit in that and, and do it. But I'm nervous, and we go about... It, with everyone in the room, and I thought that's how every voiceover went. So the scene starts, and Dave calls action, and we're like, yeah, yeah, so-and-so talking here, then so-and-so's talking here, so-and-so, yeah. so-and-so. And then they go, okay, great take. Taylor, do you mind looking at the mic? <laughs> because <laughs> everything was on the mic. I was saying every right, line, right. like looking where I yeah. felt like, yeah, if I'm talking to you, I'll You're look acting, you. You're acting, yeah. I'm talking to you, yeah. and I forgot that there's a microphone Big in front of you. Big adjustment in the process. Yeah, so then, you eh? get used to that where you're able to. It's so nice because you have the energy of everybody. So it is a family where you have Sabine and you, you have a Hera right there, and everyone is there, and they'll usually like set the uh, Inquisitor off in the corner. So it's like the Rebels and the really? Inquisitor. Oh, yeah. Oh, they really cool. set up. So the energy is right. But it's it's been so fun to learn how to do that. Right. I, I've had the pleasure of chatting with quite a few voice actors. And there's something about that community in particular, how tight-knit it is yeah. and how much they hold each other up. And, and, you know, if they don't think they're right for something, they'll recommend someone oh, else. Yeah. Um, so are you... Is your foot's kind of getting into that I know, community? You it, started to feel they that? always say I didn't know. They always said it was so hard to get into, and I didn't know anything about getting into it. And I kind of got lucky and fell into it through a theatrical agent and job that got me the Star Wars thing. But right. um, now that I'm in it, yeah, you meet, and I've been fortunate to work with a lot of these people who are legendary, who I'm just learning from yeah. uh, while doing Rebels. And I've now I've now done a handful of other um, voiceover things that are yeah. that are cool that are going to be coming out this year. So it's something that you're gonna stick with, and oh yeah, you know? it's it's just another form of acting, and it's so fun, and it's sure. amazing. You can show up in your pajamas, which is great. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Uh, would anybody here happen to have any questions for Mr. Gray? All oh, these kids would right here. I'll tell you what. You know what we got over here? This right here is our question mic. Check, check. Would you like to come on over here and ask Taylor a question? Sure, absolutely. That's very good of you. <laughs> there you go. How is it, um, like, going on a show and, like, going through it, like, every month or so? How is it like? How is it like? It's so fun. I mean, you get to go in and, and we're playing pretend. You know what I mean? We're making up a world. So... The way I used to when I was young, and I'd play cowboys and Indians with my brother and sister. Do you guys ever play imaginative games like that? It's, it's just like that. You go in, and you get to pretend that you're a Jedi, which is honestly I, <laughs> the coolest character I've played in that you have a lightsaber. Do you, you ever bring one into the booth with you? Oh, are you kidding? Well, <laughs> it started the first couple seasons. Well, once you got a lightsaber, was I had a pen, and I'd always have the same pen. And eventually they're like, Taylor, that's a joke, here. And they, I always get sent all the different, I mean, Star Wars are the best at like, the memorabilia, what they send out. Yeah, yeah. So I have every iteration of his lightsaber, of 
every action figure. It's so cool because I hadn't collected too much of that before I started the show, but now nah, I've, I've got a nice little bit. Very cool. Thank you very, very much. You want to pass that to your brother? Thank you. Oh, you're trying to think of a question. You just think it's cool Taylor's here? My question right now. Are you a fan of the show? Yeah. You, bring, you brought Ezra with you. You watched the whole series? Did you like the end of it? Yeah. Why did Kanan have to die? No, that was that was a sad. That was a really hard bit to the series. But it it's part of becoming a Jedi and becoming whole in that a selfless act was his last act, and it, it shows what a true Jedi really is because he always had issues with being a flawed Jedi and a flawed master, and he it was if he didn't do that. All of us might have died, so he he sacrificed himself for the better of the family, essentially. So while it was very sad, it was a it was a big momentous moment, and uh, I thought it was very cool how Dave turned the eyes at the very last beat before he goes, his eyes come back. I thought that it's was amazing. very cool. Should I take that? Thanks so much. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You finish right up, bud. Do you want to talk right into that, though, so can Taylor can maybe hear you? But that's okay. Oh, I'm nervous as well. Yeah. Well, how, you can, how about you think of one, and then if you do think of one, you're more than welcome to ask again. Awesome? Thank you very much. <laughs> awesome. I think we have a question right here. Yeah? Yeah. Just go right up to the mic there if that's oh, cool. Thank there you. There you go. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Hey, yeah. yep. Thanks for being here, first of all. Oh, thank you, guys. Um, so I have a couple questions about the uh, voice acting process. Yeah. So number one, can you talk about instances where maybe you you uh, did a line or, or a series of lines with a certain emotion and the director was like, you know, said, no, no, I prefer, you know, this way? Oh, yeah, that, that happened a bit, um, more so in the beginning of the series, as it does with um, most jobs you start on. You, you're trying to develop this character and build him, and you want to come with very specific intentions, naturally, so that you're not just this ambivalent person that isn't a real character. So you make these choices, and then you hope that they land. And obviously, you've made enough of the right choices for them to hire and cast you. But the beginning, the first, I'd say the first uh, season, Dave, it was a, a lot of give and take between everyone of him kind of steering you towards the choices and, and your natural instincts that were right for your character and then what would be a little off. But as we got further in by the third and fourth season, it was such a free-flowing thing where he would be like, you guys do it and I'm gonna sit back and just run through it three times, give us three flavors. And uh, more often than not, he would be like, you guys have it. Like, I, I'm not gonna try and go in and change it just to hear my own voice. Like, he's such a good director in that sense. Because some directors do, as we all do, sometimes like to just be like, okay, I put my, th my thumbprint on it, you know what I mean, just for the sake of it, whether it uh, benefits it or not. And Dave is so good about knowing how to get the best product. And, and so, yeah, it was a collaborative thing where you're missing, but you're also hitting at times. Just to, so when you said the three flavors idea, does that mean each each actor was trying to do a separate flavor, or did someone organize like, okay, we're gonna the flavor we're all gonna do is? We'll usually do it in a sense of we have an idea of what the emotion is and and what the thoughts are and the intention going into a scene, and then it's like stakes. So I I would say in my head I would think flavors, but I'm I'm thinking more stakes. So it's like okay, this is a this scene is a let's say it's a, 
a sad scene after Kanan goes, right? And he, Freddy's not there. It's just the rest of the cast recording. And we know what the tenor of that scene is. And then it's the stakes that we'll throw in. So it'll be like, okay, it's, it has this meaning to us. And then it has the same meaning, but even more so. And then even more so. So sometimes you might come in a little over the top. And it's nice to dial that back down. And sometimes you'll be a little under it. And it's nice to kind of ramp that up. Because the one thing with voiceover that you don't get is you don't get to see the distance, the spatial awareness that like sometimes if I was this close, I, I don't need to speak too loudly. But if I'm talking here, it's going to change. And that's the one thing Whereas on a set, you're obviously aware of where everyone is unless you're on a green screen. But with voiceover, you have no idea. So the joke became with uh, Dave, I used to always ask, like, okay, how far away am I and how many stories up and down? Because sometimes they'll be on a ridge. <laughs> so, like, by the third and fourth season, he would just start certain scenes with, all right, Taylor, you're 10 yards away and you're looking up. I'm like, okay, perfect. So, yeah, at times, you didn't even need it. But it's good to know because in voiceover, you have no idea where everyone's at. And my last question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you're doing a scene, do you, are you always looking at the other actors and actresses, or do you sometimes just close your eyes and get lost in the world as you speak? It you have a little bit of both. Um, it also depends everyone's training. Like the school I went to for acting growing up, uh, you, it's, it's so hard to not like look at the person you're speaking to. So that was why I was talking about the little hoopla I had with the beginning of the series of trying to figure out that there was a mic in front of me that while I'm talking to you, I have to then bring all of the intention to the mic. Um, but then there's also scenes where, I mean, as a Jedi, there's a lot of meditative scenes. So in that, you don't have to really, yeah, I, I would close my eyes often enough because you, you have the lines inside of you and you can really drop into what that Jedi state is. So, so you get a little bit of both, whatever the scene kind of calls for. Cool. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, cool questions. Uh, I'm going to... I got one more question for you. you I'm gonna let, let you get back to the to the thrones of fans out there. Okay. I'm a lightsaber freak. Oh, amazing! Big collector. Okay. I, I own 81 lightsabers at home. No. Yeah. All the toys. I got several. Are of there Ezra's even 81 on. out there? From back, like I have the first little flash. There was actually a flashlight. Okay. In 1977, you put like a balloon thing on the end. Wow. <clears throat> that was the very first one. So years of lightsabers, and not until Ezra's comes along. Do we put a blaster into the handle? Never. Do you remember the first time you saw that was going to be his lightsaber and what you thought at that time? Yeah, because at first, remember, he had that, like, energy right. blaster on his, like, slingshot on his uh, forearm. And we knew at the beginning of the series he's a Jedi. He has this innate ability. What is it? And we were all wondering, like, what is the lightsaber going to be like? And Dave kept saying, like, he's such a cavalier, rebellious kid. Like, it's got to be something funky. And when I saw it was a blaster, yeah. I didn't even realize, because I, I know Star Wars well, but f some fans know it much better than I do. And I right. think that's so cool. And I learn from things, sentiments that they I have. That all the time. And <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, that's a pretty cool lightsaber. It's fairly unique. They're like, fairly unique. It's the first one with a blaster. And I was like, no, surely someone else has a blaster on one. And I asked Dave, and he's like, no, that's like a unique thing. So Absolutely. it was so fun. Yeah. Also, my roommates back in Los Angeles who were living with me when I uh, first started the series, like I said, they send me all of these lightsabers, and I have a handful. Yeah, it's amazing. And they fun. have the, the blaster on it, so I would yeah. shoot that thing every yeah. single morning. That's awesome. I thought it was pretty awesome fun. fun. Yeah. Well, I hope we get many more years of Star Wars cartoons. We all, of course, we are backing Ezra's return at some point. Yeah. We would love to see that. So many amazing moments in the show. Uh, my, my two personal were the Obi-Wan, Darth Maul, the final confrontation. I, that was my favorite. Every, that was 
that was way beyond animation. That oh, was yeah, there yeah. was a feel there, and also the moment that Anakin Vader's mask broke when he was oh, fighting when Ahsoka, Ahsoka and you saw cut. the eye. That was gut wrenching. Yeah, that was gut wrenching. So yeah, it was just wanted to share that. That was my cool favorite. Cool stuff. Well, thank so, you guys for guys, coming Taylor out and talking. Taylor Gray, his table is over in Artist Alley, of course. Go say hello, get an autograph. Yeah, I'll be there hanging uh, out. It's going to be great, great time. So thank you, sir. Thank very, you very guys much. so much.